welcome back to another episode of the Pro Series Podcast. This is episode 71 with Andrew Savolsky. Andrew is an architect based out of New York, and he is the owner of Andrew Savolsky Designs, ASD. He specializes in fine interiors and interior architectural renovations and so much more. He's been published in pretty much every publication out there. He's been on HGTV, Oxygen, Fox, NBC's Open House, and more. He tells me all about how he got into the business, why he loves interiors, and so much more. But before we get into this episode, please make sure you like, subscribe, and review this podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts. And now I hope you enjoy episode 71 with Andrew Savolsky. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andrew, for hopping on the Pro Series podcast today. Excited to talk to you about your design career and uh, life in New York. How was life? You know, you actually cut out in that one second, so I didn't hear your the full question. I heard something oh, in New York. Thank you so much for hopping on the Pro Series podcast today. I'm excited to talk to you about design and your life in New York. Okay, great. Happy to be here. Happy to share, um, you know, what's going on over here in New York and in, with my work and have a fun time with it. Yeah, absolutely. So as a Pro Series, I started it out. I did it kind of um, to create more content for social media, but also selfishly, I like to talk to people that are like-minded of my, uh, my, myself, like anybody in construction, design, real estate agents. And you came across, um, I think, my featured page on Instagram and saw some of your work and how you were published in so many different um, magazines and stuff, which we'll talk about. But I kind of want to jump in and talk about like how you got started in the design field is that was that always something that you were um interested in growing up or um did you do something when you were younger that kind of sparked that interest a great question because um for me it it hits right to the center of why i do i guess what i do um always 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 little little boy loved anything to do with building building houses particularly how i like I like big buildings too, and I like bridges because I remember I used to like want erector sets and things like that, which were toys when I was a kid. But I was mostly just like really fixated on houses, just houses. And I used to draw, kind of figured out, I guess, I don't remember how, maybe looking at some books or something like what architectural plans looked like. And I used to love to draw. I'd sit up at night um, and just make up houses and start drawing rooms and try to imitate you know, use my imagination. And I, and I have this memory, two, two memories, um, when, I, when I was very, very young, super young. And I remember sitting in the front yard playing, you know, maybe my mom sent me you know, just out to play. And I was really little. And we used to have these little wood chips around the tree. They're like decorative wood chips in landscaping. And I remember taking the houses, excuse me, taking little wood chips and pretending like I was building a little subdivision of houses and pretended uh -huh. they were houses. And, uh, and then another one is more on the design decorating side, which is related, of course, but a little different than just drawing house plans. Um, when I was really, really little. I remember being on my, um, my aunt's back patio, like almost like a, I don't know, like a screened in porch. And she had, I don't know, probably not much furniture, but as a little kid, it seemed like a lot of furniture to me. And I kind of instinctively, she let me started dragging the furniture around into different arrangements, kind of like how I thought, okay. yes thought it would make the space feel better, look better, more logically, whatever. So I definitely had this propensity, this desire to, to, to create space, residential space. You know, I'm using terms that I use now. I didn't think of that as a kid. I just, you know, and I used to like really 
be fascinated. We grew up in a perfectly nice house, what's called a ranch house. Yeah. Or nice, you know, nice, pleasant. Um, but not so far away, there was an area of much larger, more, you know, really like special, historically special mansions. You know, so you drive, we drive on this road and I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So this one street along the lake, because Milwaukee's on the lake called Lake Drive. And you just see one big mansion after the other. And really to this day, to this day, when I go home, if I don't take a ride up and down Lake Drive, uh, my, my visit home is incomplete. And I would dream about like, well, what do those houses look like inside? Because I knew they didn't look anything like my house, you know? And, mm -hmm. and so I was just fascinated by anything to do with, with um, houses, the different styles, you know, imagining what could be inside. I try and that's, you know, however I could get my, my hand in, in that was sort of a goal. I thought I'd be an architect, you know, so I was focused more on the, in building houses and what that was about. But ultimately, you know, the universe had kind of directed me and brought me to uh, ultimately to what I do for a living today and, and have for a number of years. So how did you, so that fascination growing up, did you have anything um, in your high school or anything that allowed you to explore that in a different way than just on your own, like architectural drawing classes or anything? Yeah, no, no. No, in fact, okay. It's, here's interesting. I remember between eighth grade and, and high school, I remember signing up for classes in advance of, I guess, fall semester of my freshman year, and I signed up for a drafting class. I wanted to. And then, like, last minute, I remember, I distinctly remember getting a call from the minute one of the, you know, people who are in charge of these things, they said, well, this class is canceled. There was, weren't enough people signing up. So I had, a, I, had a, I had to, on the fly, randomly pick another class to fit into that slot, which had, turned out to be typing, uh, <laughs> which but I actually kind of, I, I, I used it. I used it in college. I made extra money typing paper for people. So that worked out okay. It wasn't a problem. I'm glad I'm a fast, good typist. But I remember just thinking I was like really disappointed because I was going to take a drafting class and no. So the answer to your question is no. I, I practiced on my own. I used to, is it, like I said earlier, as a, as a kid, really like just was always fascinated with, with drawing and house plans. So I remember like, I don't know, 10 years old or something, 11, I'd go to the library and they used to have, and you could still find them on like Pinterest, just more out of interest. They had in the back of certain magazines, I don't remember which ones, these house plans and renderings of the house that were for sale, like a person could send away and get the plans. But what I loved was the way they did the renderings or the, 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 the I guess, the promotional um, presentation of not just the floor plan, but what the house would look like with these really great architectural pencil drawings and landscaping and and every house they made look like just so glamorous and big and the way, you know, the perspective they use. So I, I, I loved all of that. I just loved, you know, to this day, it's like looking at, if I go on Pinterest late at night or whatever, and I'll look up like, you know, house plans from the 1970s or 1960s, you know, even older than me, but just of that era that I might be interested in that moment. And you see how they represent to them the whole um, mystique around them. I, I love that. It's, it's yeah. I, I, fun and interesting. Yeah, it's funny saying that like you saying that to me sounds normal because i love that stuff too but if you say that to anybody outside the design world they're like you're such a nerd or you're like what is wrong with you you like to do that but i'm the same way i love looking up but like how much floor plans have changed over the years and the flow of homes and it's just so interesting it is it really is yeah it's, it's like a window into what they what they people of a certain era valued for sure like how they divided space up says a lot about how they presented in the world and if they you know like for instance I'll, if you look at a lot of 
older house plans, they would have like always like a his and her closet. Yeah. And more everything this changed in the 60s, which I liked. It was really cool. But like a little older than that, everything was more partitioned. It was more like about privacy and kitchens weren't open. And they, you know, even even not that big of houses often had like a little small bedroom off to the like near the laundry room. That would be called like the maid's quarters or something, you know, like this idea of like that there was help and there was not help and that there was men and women were very separated in certain regards, which we still are, but not the same, obviously. So you see that, you can see that in these house plans and you can, you can even probably track an evolution by looking at like different eras and how it changed. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny how things change. Like now how kitchens are like the heart of the home and before kitchens were a, a closed off room and kind of something that you ultimately hid or had some a cook um, in there, or um, it just wasn't the heart of the home like it is now. No, not the shared space. No, definitely not. You know, that, yeah, that's, you know, just quick sidebar. Like we recently moved my, I, my, I and my I twins are four and a half. Okay. My, hus my husband, we moved out of the city, um, not in New York City. We moved to the suburbs um, uh, with this, you know, we want to give our kids more space and room, all the exact reasons you think basement, you know, backyard, the whole thing. So, um, we got a great house, which we love mid century. And when I bought it, it, I then proceeded to nearly gut it kind of to overcome a lot of the things that you're just describing. It, it, like, mm -hmm. it had all the right overall space. I could see the potential, but it had this kitchen was very separate from the dining room and there was a door, but that's it. It was like, you couldn't see through it. It wasn't meant to be a shared experience. Even the entrance to the kitchen from the foyer was like, felt like a, the opening to a closet. It was just very small. And, and that's just how they decided to build things. But when I knocked on all these walls, I'm like, oh, that's all of a sudden the same house didn't, didn't change the exterior walls. We didn't do an addition. It just, we changed the space inside. And all of a sudden the house got much bigger. I mean, to my way of thinking and much more akin to the way I live in my life. But as you said, this is not how they did it. This is not, it's not how they did it. Unless you were very progressive and were forward thinking and wanted to break the mold by and large houses were, were designed, you know, to, for a very different kind of lifestyle. Absolutely. It, so when you left high school, you went to college, I think. Yep. You mentioned. Did you go for interior design? Nope, not at all. I went to for architecture. I was always okay. like, if we, you know, we're going to talk about the interior design. I, I knew interior design was a thing. Back then, they just called them decorate, interior decorators. It never occurred to me. And it's interesting because now looking back, I'm like, oh, yeah, I was very attuned to it. I just didn't have a reference, an obvious reference um, to what that was as a career. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly not in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, was it common to have. Um, Maybe people had some decorators or something, but nothing, you know, people had nice houses, certainly, but I didn't think in those terms, you know, I do. I remember watching a show that's, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to remember it well. I'm sure people know the Brady Bunch and the, 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 the father was an architect. Like it was, that was more just like discernible to me. I understood architecture. I, like I said, I used to love to draw architectural plans. You know, I never, I do remember always having an interest in what houses look like. I just didn't, again, didn't connect it to a career. Architecture, I understood as a career. So I pursued architecture in, in, gotcha. in, in undergrad. I got a uh, BA in, um, in architecture. Yeah, and that's actually, I'm glad you brought that up because interior design still, it's very blurred on the, the meaning of it. it for most people. Like if you're in the industry now, you understand what interior design is, but People outside the industry, it's it's a very blurred definition of what an interior di designer does. Um, most people just think it's decorating, then 
um, house plans and all the engineering and all this stuff that comes along with it. But yeah, it's funny how you said that. Cause I was the same way you, you I didn't know interior design is what I liked the, the most. I thought it was always architecture. Yeah, exactly. Cause if you didn't have that, like, listen, I think everybody knows that they need an architect. If you're going to build a building, you need an architect. I don't think anybody thinks they can, very few people think they could sort of speak sidestep that and just go right to the contractor. Um, you know, some people do that with small renovations. They figure they don't need a middleman to articulate what they want and that for better or worse, but, but most people think they need an architect at a certain level. Many people don't think in terms of interior design as, as much of a necessity. Whether it's a necessity or not is debatable, but if you want the space to come alive and most good architects love to work with a good designer, interior designer, because they understand that there's only so far as the architect, they're gonna take the interior, but there's a whole level of detail and articulation, which is even before furniture, right? It's just, I mean, furniture falls into that basket of interior design, but so do, you know, bathroom and kitchen design often and fin and all the finishes and not just what colors the finishes are, but the textures and how they all interrelate. And so um, that symbiosis is apparent to me. It's definitely apparent to my clients, um, but it's not necessarily apparent to everybody. And, and I think what's nice for our industry, the interior design industry is increasingly people understand the, the value of, of the interior design aspect, you know, really care about your space building the walls and the roof is important but there's so much more you can do to really enjoy and benefit from the space exactly i i cannot tell you who told me this but it was like design and architects um are kind of like uh, a doctor in a surgical room like they need the like they could do what the nurses are doing but they can't get the job done without like get the job done successfully without you know, the surgery techs and the nurses and everybody else in that room to get the job done successfully. Um, it's just like an architect or an engineer with designers and kitchen and bath um, designers as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We, we um, recently, one of my projects, we designed a stair, like a, a, like a really a, a, a connection between, we connected two apartments, the penthouse and the one below. There was a breakthrough through the slab. We created this floating glass stair. Um, and I didn't know the first thing about how to build a stair, but I knew how to design something I liked the look of, and I understood the spatial aspect of it. But from the engineering standpoint, I, I knew nothing, and I don't profess to know because that's not my, my area of expertise. So we worked with an engineer who um, really was, you know, obviously instrumental to making sure the stairs worked and the loads worked. But the, the, what, what I really, one of the things I really enjoyed about the process is you get two or three entities together who know what they're doing and talking the same language, they bring in this essential piece of information. The one can't really do the other, their work without the other, vice versa. And we got this incredible feature piece that I, again, I, I never had done a stair before. And it's a little daunting at first because you really right out of the gate have to be thinking about things that you don't quite as much in certain other aspects of interior design. Um, but I think that also, for me, that comes from the, the, that architectural background that I have, that is, um, I'm as interested in how something looks as how it's made to exist in this world, how it's built, how it fits in, how, you know, what those, what those circumstances around that, how they matter to whether or not I can actually just even suggest the item in the first place, you know, I can't, I can't suggest we do something unless I know I can, it can be built. Or maybe some other designers are more thinking, well, this is a 
pretty or an attractive item, they'll bring it into the design and then they'll sort of worry about the details later. I kind of concern myself maybe overly so early on with how it all gets made and built and structured and everything else. Yeah, that's smart. I mean, I feel like a lot of people fall into that um, mistake early on um, in their career just because, you know, you don't know as much, but you're also so excited and you want to, you know, you over um, design stuff and promise stuff that you you don't exactly know it's going to be able to be um, come to your vision and is actually possible. But um, yeah, glad you said that that makes a lot of the young designers that listen to this need to know um, it's okay to ask for help. And like you went to the engineer, how did you, um, so you started your own business. Um, when did that start out? And did you start right out of school or did you work for a firm? Yeah, so I have a, to this day, I think an interesting story because a little bit was, was kismet, you know, it was, it was something beyond the obvious, I think. Um, so graduated college, went to grad school, pursued another degree in architecture. And I was also contemplating that I didn't think I wanted to be an architect at that point because I wasn't yet connecting architecture to the part of that I really was most stoked by, which turned out to be interior design. I didn't even have a word for it. So I'm like, well, I, I, I thought I can't really, I don't wanna become an architect who's gonna be working on big buildings and doing like drawing doorknobs all day, like at an entry level. You know, there was other, so I had this idea that I'd be pigeonholed and I didn't know about going into residential interior architecture or design, or interior architecture, much less design. So get this degree, I added urban planning to my, to my um, degree because I thought, well, that's something maybe more practical that I could get a job in. I didn't really, looking back, probably was broadly interested in urban planning, but it was a, it was an, a joint degree at the, at the grad school of Wisconsin that I went to, University of Wisconsin. So I graduated there, get a job in urban planning, not architecture, did my thing there. It was for a municipality outside of Chicago, a suburb. Interestingly, the suburb was a very, very affluent um, area with a lot of historic homes. So mm -hmm. I was already getting sort of like involved a little bit because I worked for the, the building review board, which was design related. I worked for the planning commission and uh, the Zoning Board of Appeals, all of which were dealing with these houses. And some of them were quite incredible, um, important houses. So wasn't decorating them, but I was still having something, some some view into them and what, what that was about. But I still found myself not fulfilled after, let's say, three years there, still in my early 20s. I then kind of freelanced um, for a couple more years while I was in Chicago, working in a way that was related to my background, but not feeling like I was on a career path directly. And I had really wanted to move to New York. By my mid to late 20s, I was really bent on moving. I had been to New York quite a lot in college because I went to school closer here. But I felt that like that pull that certain certain people have to go to New York, whether it's for performing arts or finance, or whatever. I just like, I'm going to be creative in New York. That's literally what I thought. Um, but wasn't sure what the job would be and how to get me there other than, you know, getting a plane ticket to go just move to New York. But without getting too many details, I, I kind of just started looking for jobs remotely because I was in Chicago still, Chicago, and um, got a job really by completely by chance for a very, very esteemed interior designer. And I didn't really realize what I had stepped into as much as I thought, well, this is just going to be a job to get me to New York. He hired me as his personal assistant, basically. And I didn't even really know what that was, but I said, I'll take it. <laughs> thought it was a job, get me to New York. So I get there. This is quite a long time ago at this point. And I get to New York and start with him. I remember arriving at LaGuardia Airport on a Sunday night. I call him from the payphone. This is, tells you how long ago it is. Um, 
I had a cell phone, but I don't think it had connected yet in New York. So, you know, basic technology. I called him. I said, I'm here. I'll be at the office tomorrow as promised, you know. And in a way, that's like right out the bat. I got to the office that it was in Soho, which was a fun, great area to be in an office. And it didn't take but a few days, I think, before I kind of just felt at home with what they were talking about, what the other staff were talking about, what and he gave me some responsibilities out of the gate that were um, probably not what he intended, but he saw that I was hungry and desired to be in the mix. Let me start to manage small projects, things like that. Was not at all long before I felt very integrated into what this designer was doing in terms of his product, which was very, very high-end residential. He had a lot of famous clients. He, you know, we had spectacular properties in New York that I was right out of the, you know, again, not anticipating this was my career move. I didn't. I just still thought I was going to New York to figure out things got good, you know, and I went to him and I, after a short while and I said, well, I'd like, to stay, I'd like to stay here. I'd like the job. I'm glad you give me more responsibilities. Can I have a raise? Because I thought I can't really live on what he was paying. And he said something to me at the time, which turned out to be a good thing. He said, no, <laughs> he said, no, I won't give you a raise yet. But if you want to take clients on your own, if they come your way, you can do so. And a lot of, and that would oftentimes designers don't promote that with their staff. For, for good reason or understandable reasons. And I thought, well, I'm new to New York. Who, who's going to hire me? Like, yeah. why would anybody call me? Nobody knows that I'm in this industry. I barely know I'm in this industry. Yeah. And, and just wouldn't you know that that day, I got a call from a friend, you know, maybe it was an email, from a friend in Chicago. And he says, hey, Andy, I know you're, you're working into your design. I have a friend in New York who needs help. Do you think you could help him? So, so then I got my first client. You know, so I started with this one rogue first client and I was working at this, uh, my firm that I described, getting this amazing exposure and learning things in real time that I suppose you learn in school and a lot of stuff that you don't learn in school had I gone through interior design uh, program and it all fell into place. I was there for six years and was really just saw and did so much um, from the design side, from the financial side to really he let me, my, my, this employer, wonderful guy, supportive of me and I of him to this day. Um, and after six years, he said, you know, took me to lunch. He said, I'll never fire you, but don't you think it's time you leave? He's like, I, you know, you should go on your own. I was, had a lot of work already on my own and I was down to four out of five days a week for him. Still doing, holding up my end of the bargain, but I think I was very devoted to him and maybe a little intimidated in theory to go out on my own, but just had to hear that from him unsolicited. And I, I left him and then really launched my company. So, you know, I, I've been doing, doing this for 20 plus years at this point as we speak today, but um, my business I've had for about 16 years and that, that coincides when I left, left uh, my, my prior employer, his name is Benjamin. Um, and so I got this great kind of thrust into this industry where I, that I liked, that I was good at, that I felt affinity for. Yeah. And let's face York is the place, I'm not saying you can't, there's, there's great design all over this world now, especially more than ever. But I think in many ways, people still feel New York is, is, an epi, is the epicenter for a million reasons. I mean, it's like, if interior design isn't a necessity for most people, a lot of people in New York feel for them it is, you know? Yeah. Spend so much money on their apartments, on, you know, really just outsized amounts because that's the market. And I think people expect, if they're going to spend that much on their apartment to begin with, they want they want what they want, you know. Yeah, they those, want to look good, yeah. And those that can. So that's, that's you know, more or less my trajectory of how I, I got into interior design in a way that was not anticipated. Like I said, didn't go to school for it. 
didn't think that it was even really much of an industry or didn't understand it as an industry and turned out to be great. Yeah. If you think if he didn't sit you down and have that talk, would you still be working with him or how much longer would it have taken you to go out on your own? Yeah, not much, probably. Not not, much. That was really, I had some significant projects by then, relatively, yeah. relatively, you know, since of course grown further quite a bit. But um, I think that I just needed somebody to, I had a friend also, a very good friend of mine. We're very close to this day. And we had different careers, but kind of, paralleled each other worked for somebody who was you know raised in the ranks um, under that person who was successful in their own right and then he had just gone on his own i remember him also saying he's like you gotta go you gotta you gotta like make the break i'm a very devoted person so uh, you know that probably kept me um thought well if i can do both then that's fine you know maybe i wasn't giving myself enough credit that i shouldn't really you know so i certainly would not be with him today whether it would have changed you know six months within six months of that conversation or a year it's hard to say now, but I, I think that I would have definitely found something would have tr triggered me to leave. Oh, yeah. So yeah. when you started your business, I see that you were you were featured in many things like New York Times and Architectural Digest. And I think we talked a little bit off camera about, you know, designers wanting to be a part of be have their projects featured in their magazines or um, online websites and stuff. How what do you give them for advice on how to get that ball rolling and get featured in those magazines? Um, it's a very good question because I think there are different ways for it to happen. The, the one thing I would say now is that it's a very, very crowded field. I think it was so in the past, there was more print magazines, you know? Um, so the desire, you know, most, most designers I know want the exposure because it's, it, there's, it's the, it's a big difference between editorial exposure, which means you're being featured and your work is, is good enough that they want to, to grace, the, you know, the pages of their website or their magazine mm -hmm. versus if you, you know, there's nothing wrong with this, but like if you put on an ad, you know, you, it's a, you're paying for your exposure, right? That's completely the, that is completely the expected and, and, and um, acceptable model in almost every other industry. But when it comes to design, because I guess it's more of an art, you know, it's just sort yeah. of, your, your, your art should sort of should ascend on its own. So how do you really get it noticed is the question, right? So for me, when I first started, I've always wanted the exposure. Um, and I used to just blindly submit some work and, and even not submit. And I got attention early on. Mm -hmm. I consider it as luck is what I'd say. I mean, I think I had good work. I do. I'm not being like uh, shy to say that I think it was, you know, a good choice on the part of the magazine, but we're talking the first round, like, but largely it wasn't a great effort. I, if I did submit it, I got usually traction and, and for whatever reason, a number of magazines under certain circumstances had found me. At, then I found it like wasn't happening as much for a while. And I thought, okay, well, I need to up the ante and I've hired different PR firms at different times and they always helped. They've always helped. The problem, not the problem, but the reality about PR is you, you, it's expensive to varying degrees and sometimes prohibitively so. And it's liable, it's likely to get, to get you results. But the part that you, I would really advise to whomever is invest in really good, excellent photography of your projects. It's just, you can photograph your projects to the, you know, to the cows come home, but if they're not of a certain level, like as good, and when I say good photography, I mean, I now hire photographers. If I'm gonna hire a photographer for a photo shoot, if I haven't already worked for them, the first thing I'm gonna do is like, what what look to see where they've been published? Are, are they in AD? Are they in Lux? Are they in House Beautiful? You know, that if their work is good enough for those magazines, 
prior to me, um, prior to me being, um, you know, contacting them. Well, that means that if that if, if my work is then when we work together, I have a reasonable chance to expect at least my my work will get the attention. May not get selected, but it'll get the attention of those magazines. Not just because of the name recognition of the of the of the photographer. Um, but because I'm going to get photography that is the quality that's already been accepted by these. And I know the difference now. I mean, I would say like, I, I've always worked with good photographers at different levels, but in the last couple of years, I've really stepped up my game in that regard. And it's frankly, it's very expensive. It's an investment in yourself, but if you just keep putting it out there, so you kind of like need great photography. You need a good stylist. I've stopped styling my own projects, not because I can't make them look beautiful, but it's a different animal when it's being captured by a photographer who's who's you know setting up a frame in a certain way in a certain angle a whole bunch of things that i'm happy <clears throat> to not have to mm -hmm. hope that i'm you know it's just it's another we all have talents we all have strengths i might be reasonably good at certain things but if somebody's much better and they're a better chance give me a much better chance to be have my work taken seriously um, by magazines I'm going for that. I'm going to go for that. So you need a great stylist, you need a great photographer. So better to have less, I would say too. Like if you, you know, and, and by the way, no matter how good your design is, the photography can make make or break it as far as it appears to a magazine, right? So just know that like, I've learned also like, I used, to, I used to delay getting my things photographed because I thought every last thing had to be so perfected, which also means you have to get it approved by the client. And sometimes those final decisions and purchases are hard to come by. You know, clients get fatigued. They kind of understand, yes, they need a piece of art here, but it seems a little less urgent if I've already moved them in. So I used to be like thinking, well, I can't photograph it until everything is perfected. Well, guess what? You can't, <laughs> but that's where a stylist comes in. And they, you know, they might bring some props and they might, you know, you want it to be true to your design, but you also have to leave this little percentage where the creativity of the designer, excuse me, the um, stylist and the photographer can find something even yet again. And that's, that's a really worthwhile. So that's my advice is, is do it once, do it right, get good photography. And when you feel you've got a body of really good photography, maybe two or three projects at least, consider if you can you can afford it because it's an expense um mm. our company because they have the connections unless you have a unless you know that you're going to have your email read by the right person you can send it you can get the email but if you send it off and it's blind chances are it's not gonna be looked at because you got you stand in line with all the people who want to be noticed so pr good pr person is going to help you in that regard yeah that's great advice i mean getting a good photographer is always good just for your own instagram or your own portfolio as well i feel I fall into that. I like how you brought up that um, you wait until something's perfect. And I've done that so many times. And then you get on to the next job and you forget that you didn't take pictures of the last job. And you can't just mm -hmm. call the customer up now and like, hey, can I have a photo shoot at your house? Like at three months down the road, you want to get right. it while they're, it's still, usually I go in and get pictures when I can get a review from the customer or they get feedback from me. Um, but when you wait too long, it just, it hurts the relationship. It hurts everything. Yeah, it's true. You want to strike while the iron's hot. You really mm -hmm. do. Well, yeah, yeah. There's something exciting. There's a real fresh energy that's present. If you wait too long, it's kind of like oh, the moment's passed a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's my focus now is really documenting. I've always been good at documenting my projects. I've always photographed more than not if I feel it's worthy. But now I'm really at this level, and that's why I think why you see and I'm very 
super grateful for it that we've you know had some features in ad and, and elsewhere yeah awesome well i want to end with um you telling everybody where they could follow you where they could find you on your website um just on all social media platforms um so they could check you out sure happy to so my website is as designs I always say as like andrew savalski and designs as an s at the end so asdesigns.com please check us out there and then mostly you'll find um, a steady stream of my work on instagram which is andrew savalski designs um and that's really the places you'll 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 get the most up-to-date work that we, we put out there and we really keep it pretty fresh so happy to hear from you and i think that's where we met and um i invite people to check us out and follow of course if you like what you see awesome andrew thank you so much for hopping on and taking time out of your schedule today to talk to me yeah about my pleasure thanks thanks so much for having me